back with another positional preview podcast. Today, we'll be talking about the running backs, um, which I hear are kind of important in fantasy football. Oh, uh, what do you say, Eric Smith? Uh, running backs, an um, important part of the game or nah, you can probably just punt that whole position. I don't know if you're on Twitter. Um, they probably shouldn't exist in the NFL and we shouldn't draft them until about round 12. So uh, maybe this is the least important podcast, but no, uh, this is the one you got to get right. You need to know which ones to draft and when. And so uh, this is my favorite ranking series to do by far is the running backs. Uh, I mean, personally, I'm holding out for the kicker podcast. I'm really excited for that one. I think kickers win leagues as we all know, uh, but in all seriousness, obviously running backs, a very, very important part uh, of fantasy football. Some, you know, some people in your league will probably draft running backs for like their first four picks or, three of their first four. That's just how it goes. you got to get the running backs right. And that's exactly what we're going to be talking about uh, using Eric's uh, running back rankings, which you can find on the website, qblist.com. You can also, by the way, find the projections there, which we talked about uh, at the beginning of last show. But, you know, just for anyone who, you know, they know what they're doing with quarterback. They didn't listen to that one. Eric, tell us about these projections that you did with Kenny Heidenhove. Yeah, they're great. Uh, Kenny led the way. He put in a bunch of the work, um, but we just went through uh, all the teams, tweaked their target shares, tweaked their you know rushing totals, all that stuff, and came out with our first projections for the site. They're really great. Um, as I always say, reject- projections and rankings are different. So uh, just because the projections say one thing, it doesn't mean that's where they're ranked, but uh, super helpful to give me a guide on these running backs. I kind of checked some of my, uh, I don't know, preconceived notions on them and just make sure I wasn't raising a running back who just doesn't have quite that ceiling too high. So uh, super useful. Check them out. And uh, yeah, just let us know what you think because a lot of work went into them and I, they're really useful. Yeah. I mean, if the projections and the rankings were the same thing, then, then what do we need you for? Right. I mean, exactly. that'd be, then we just go off the projections. We'd be good to go. Uh, Kenny, I guess Kenny's now in charge of, of QB list now. Um, speaking of, of Eric and Kenny, they're both going to be at the Fantasy Football Expo in Canton on Sunday, August 15th. They're going to have a booth. Um, by the way, uh, incredible event. There's going to be so many people from the industry there. Uh, also, by the way, Canton, you all know what else is there, the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So go uh, hang out with Eric and Kenny. Uh, go to the, the Football Hall of Fame. Have yourself a football-tastic weekend. Uh, and just, you know, it'll be a good time. It'll be a good time. And, and Eric and Kenny will have their projections there. They'll be happy to talk with you guys about that as well as our draft cheat sheet was just now live on the site. Um, so you can check, uh, take a look at that as well. Um, but even more important than that, if you want live analysis of your draft, I know a lot of people do slow drafts where you've got, you know, a few hours to make your pick. And, you know, you also have people who take up both their clock and like someone else's clock and it, you know, the draft goes on for days, but you know, it gives you plenty of time to get your live analysis. Um, you can get help with your keepers. You can get all kinds of uh, interactions with our expert staff by joining the discord community uh go to pitcherlist.com slash plus to be a pl plus member obviously you get access to all the baseball stuff but you will get access to all of our uh insider football info as well so be sure to check that out and by the way one of the things you could have done was hang out in our voice chat while we were doing our first staff mock draft uh, i did not partake in the mock draft but i hung out in the voice chat and listened in as uh, you know, Ben Brown, Callan Ellislager, Mark Salazar, uh, you know, a lot of great people here at uh, Cubulus uh, were participating in the mock draft. Eric, how do you do? How do you feel your team did? Are you do you want to make this a real league? Are you ready to win this fake fake league? 
Yeah, I'm in. Uh, they kept joking about how this was a very on-brand draft for me. So I got a lot of my guys. I've been drafting some of these guys for years, it feels like. So I uh, love the team. I picked it pick 12. Uh, actually, I think the first time I've had it all offseason. Um, Kelsey was sitting there at 12, and I went with him. I took Aaron Jones right after him to start the second round. I've been picking Aaron Jones all offseason. I was happy to get him in the back of the second round early on, but I'll take him at the start of the second. I'll take him earlier than that. We'll get to that. But, um, yeah, I went with Mike Evans, Robert Woods, T. Higgins, Will Fuller. I think I've drafted Will Fuller on every single team. Um, But then when I came up in the fifth round, uh, we had talked last week on the quarterback draft about maybe taking a quarterback earlier than uh, I would like, and um, I did it. I took Aaron Rodgers at pick 512. And it worked out for me. Uh, Justin Herbert, Russell Wilson would not have come back to me. I would have missed out on my tier. So um, I really like this team. Running back is weak. I kind of took a little modified uh, zero running back approach. Aaron Jones, I got Zach Moss, Tony Pollard, and Xavier Jones late. Um, but, you know, I generally in these leagues, if I can fill one solid running back spot, I feel pretty confident about filling the second. So really like my receiver core. Uh, I got Kelsey and Aaron Rodgers. Uh, yeah, I, I'll roll this league, this team out there anytime. Yeah, I, I so I listened to probably the first three rounds of the mock draft, and then uh, I actually was going to the Dodger game. Uh, so I had to, I unfortunately, had to leave this mock draft to go watch the Dodgers um, not beat the Astros. Unfortunately, uh, I, I did not throw any of those foul balls back into the field. I did not throw any trash cans. I had nothing to do with any of that stuff because I was too far away to do any of it. Uh, but uh, anyway, so I, I wasn't around to see you pick a quarterback. And so the first thing I did when I loaded this up was I was so ready. I was really hoping that you did not follow your own advice. And I was going to definitely grill you over the coals for it here uh, on this podcast. But uh, you did it. You drafted Aaron Rodgers in round five. Um, what what lessons did you learn from this mock draft? Um, which, by the way, I think a lot of people go into mock drafts and they say, I'm just going to make the best team I can. Um, and then they don't learn anything from it. Remember with a mock draft, this isn't a real league. You're not, there's no, nothing at stake. You got to learn some lessons. So uh, to put you entirely on the spot now, Eric, what lessons did you learn from this mock draft? Right. Well, I mean, you mentioned quarterbacks. Um, again, if you're in a really sharp league, they're still going to fall a little farther. Um, Mahomes went in the mid third round here. Uh, one thing that really stood out is Jalen Hurts went in the 11th round. That makes me reconsider the whole uh, early round quarterback thing. If you could get him that late, he's got some upside. But um, yeah, just make sure you know your league because that's really going to affect quarterbacks and, and for first and foremost quarterbacks because a uh, really sharp league, they might fall another round or two. Home league, they're probably going a round or two earlier. So um, that was a big one. Um, it was a really tough draft overall. Uh, there were a lot of picks I was sniped on. Uh, a few players I wish I had jumped up and gotten a little bit earlier. Uh, Trey Sermon came to mind. Um, he went in his seventh round. A couple picks before me, Dan Adams got him. And that kind of put me on the spot and made me take Zach Moss, which I didn't love. So I think there's probably some running backs there in the six through eight range where if you like them, just throw ADP out the window and just take them because there's going to be someone in your draft who's hyped up on Trey Sermon or who really wants to pick, you know, know, whoever the hot guy is recently. But um, just get your guys. Once you get past those like five or six rounds, just get your guys. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm honestly, you look to the draft, and we'll talk about this today when we get to the running back rankings, but um, I'm not entirely positive. I see a whole lot of difference between, like, Zach Moss and um, Latavius Murray, which is a four-round difference, and obviously uh, there is a huge difference in the two, but uh, at a certain point at running back, you're all you're still just you're throwing darts, and uh, they have, you know, different uh, upsides, different downsides, different risks attached to, attached to them, so you got to take that into account, but 
if you told me Latavius Murray was like double the number of fantasy points of Zach Moss this year, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised. And if you told me Zach Moss doubled up on Latavius Murray, same thing. Would not be surprised at all. So that's just the nature of of the beast when it comes to running back, which is why again it is so important. Uh, and why we're going to be sure to go over all of it today. Uh, before we get to running backs, we do have to touch on a bit of news. Um, Indianapolis Colts left guard Quentin Nelson is expected to miss significant time with the same foot injury that Carson Wentz has. So I guess it's contagious. Like, do they do they need to wear do they need to put masks on their feet there in Indianapolis? Like, what what is going on? It's like uh, a sympathy it, thing. He felt bad for Wentz. So he just went out and hurt his foot. Just, he just took like a hammer to his foot. Uh, Quentin Nelson, you're all pro every every year you've been in the NFL. Like the, maybe don't do that. They need you. Uh, it looks like a five to twelve week recovery timetable. Again, I, I guess a lot of it just comes down to whether uh, surgery goes well, uh, and that would either put us sometime between like mid September or end of October. Like if we're super optimistic, maybe he misses week one and that's it. If we're super pessimistic. Maybe we don't see him until after their bye. I mean, it's it could be that kind of a thing. Like we see him like week uh, eight, nine, somewhere around there. So it, it just that could be a huge, huge hole in the offensive line for Indianapolis. Again, like I mentioned, Quentin Nelson, first team All Pro every single year of his career so far uh, as he enters his fourth season here. Um, really sucks. It really sucks. Indianapolis feels cursed right now. Yeah, and uh, it's hard to not just avoid these teams. When this news starts in training camp, like my instinct is just, I okay, I'm done. No Colts for me, you know? <laughs> it's kind of how I feel about the Eagles right now, too. It's like there's something going on here. I'd rather avoid it. So There's uh, something in the water. Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, I, I'm sure you're going to ask me about Jonathan Taylor next. Uh, the, the problem for me putting him down too far is he's at the end of the tier for running backs for me, and I still think he has a lead upside, so – I know this looks really bad. I'm bailing on all the receivers, but I wouldn't go too overboard with Jonathan Taylor. Uh, they're going to have to lean on him, and it might not be pretty. It might be low-scoring games, but he's going to get a ton of volume here. How, how dare you preempt my question? I, I was going to ask that. Now I don't know what to ask. Uh, uh, backup Colts running back situation? No. Uh, there's one running back to talk about, and that's Jonathan Taylor. Um, so you mentioned you can't drop him too far because uh, you still see him as – you basically put him in the bottom of tier two, uh, which uh, spoiler alert that you have him ranked ninth uh, and, and just you can't drop him any further than that because of the elite upside. Um, now, we don't have, you know, the, the the data yet on like drafts that have happened in the last 24 hours. Uh, so I don't know how much Jonathan Taylor's ADP has been affected. Do you expect his ADP will drastically change? Do you, do you see him maybe now dropping to, I don't know, like a mid or late second round pick? Um, or do you think teams are still going to be uh, picking him in the first round? Yeah, I think he's going to drop. Uh, if you just look at running backs, I mean, right behind him, Nick Chubb, Antonio Gibson, Najee Harris, uh, DeAndre Swift. I, I mean, I could see him dropping below all of them if people are scared off this situation. So absolutely, I think he could drop to the second round. I mean, he's been going like, you know, fifth pick in some of these drafts, which is part of right. why I'm not dropping him a ton. I was already down a little bit on him. So it's kind of everyone else is coming down to me now. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he's there in the second round of drafts now, which was not happening a week ago. So where I know you have him ranked ninth, but again, uh, we talk all the time about how rankings aren't literally like when you draft, you're just going down the the list as rankings go because uh, some players have higher upside, some players have higher floors. Um, you just kind of have you know the risks involved. Some people just aren't in on on certain you know types of risks. I want to take that. So when it comes to Jonathan Taylor, if he's sitting there 
uh, I don't know, let's say like middle of the second round, 10 running backs already off the board. Are you, are you comfortable taking him there? Um, It's tough for me because I've got right after him, my overall rankings before this injury, there's a huge chunk of receivers that I love Uh, just going from Deandre Hopkins down to Keenan Allen. um, I'd probably wait on Keenan Allen a little bit just because of his ADP, but I mean, there's like six or seven or eight wide receivers there right after him. Uh, So I, I think I'm taking those receivers before him and that gets him down to like, pick 20 overall. So I, I think it's getting towards the back of the second round before I'm going to take them now. Um, and it, it, this might be enough to scare me off and to just keep taking receivers over him. But I, I think you're looking at him towards the back of the second round. Uh, if he falls there, I'll jump on him. I know there's a lot of people pounding the table for him right now. He's too talented. He's too elite. Uh, they're still going to take him at the, the end of the first. So it's really going to depend on your league. Um, but there's just so many really talented receivers. I'm going that, that, round, that route first before I go with Taylor. Well, there's two things going in his favor, in my opinion, and that's number one, uh, the Colts offensive line in general um, has been one of the better lines over the last few years. Now, obviously, huge losses with Clinton Nelson and also Anthony Costanzo, but at the same time, it's still in the, uh, overall been a, a great unit. And uh, so there's there's still some of that still there. It's not like the line is just awful. Um, and then the other the other side of it, because Wentz isn't going to be the starting quarterback for you know at least a few weeks, if not you know potentially up to eight weeks of the of the season, uh, they're going to rely on the running back, uh, the running game a little bit more. And I think we saw with Taylor, you know, when he got more volume, there was definitely more there for him. I mean, I know that he wasn't the most efficient running back in some of those games, but he's now in his second full se- or you know going into his second full season in the NFL. Um, if you're telling me that he's going to be getting 20, 25 carries a game, uh, I might take that over some of these other guys ahead of him who might have better offenses. Um, not saying I'm going to pick him ahead of Ezekiel Elliott, for example, but like, you know, there's a lot more mouths to feed there in Dallas. So, you know, that's something I have to think about or like Najee Harris. Uh, there's a lot, there's a lot more wide receivers to throw to in Pittsburgh than uh, there are in Indianapolis. So that would be my only thing, uh, you know, for Taylor still, uh, kind of keeping him as a first round running back. So I, I, I as much of a blow that, as this is, uh, I, I do think that you can't really drop him too far. So I agree yeah. with you that, that you kept him in tier two. And I mean, Quentin Nelson, offensive linemen are tough. I mean, he might have this thing wrapped up and out there week one, you know, like we might have a full season of Quentin Nelson. So hopefully it doesn't, you know, sap some of his, you know, powered explosiveness. But yeah, we'll see how this turns out. It could be closer to the five-week timeline. Yeah, definitely something to keep an eye on as we go throughout training camp. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Jonathan Taylor's ADP fluctuate week to week um, as we yep. get news on on stuff like this. Um, that's just kind of how things go, uh, you know, with, as far as uh, the NFL is because health is such a big deal and it can change on a, uh, on a dime. Um, let's zoom out a little bit. We talked a lot about Jonathan Taylor. Let's just talk about running backs in general um, and just kind of like a general running back strategy because there's a lot of different approaches to running backs. Um, some people – uh, have to get a running back in the first round. Some people, they they load up on running back early. Others uh, might even go as far as doing zero RB. So what would you say is like your general idea of, I, I know you just did kind of a quasi zero running back uh, draft, but if you were to approach a draft, you don't know what pick you have, how many running backs do you want and how, like within how many rounds? Right. Um, so yeah, picking 12 makes it a little tough because it was such a big you know, a big jump from Aaron Jones to my next round picks. So um, generally, yes, I want to get one in the first two rounds. There's a top nine that you can get uh, pretty much anywhere you pick. I would make sure to get one of them. 
Uh, from there, though, I am pretty happy to wait for a while. I don't think you need to force two running backs. I got burnt by that a lot last year, getting a lot of Kenyon Drake and a lot of Josh Jacobs and stuff like that. Um, I would not force two. There's too many talented receivers out there. So I want to make sure to get a top nine running back. Wherever your tier ends, it's probably somewhere around there, though. Um, if you can double up on someone like uh, DeAndre Swift, Antonio Gibson, there's a few that we'll get into. Um, I'm jumping at that, and I'm going to get them as a second, maybe the second round, maybe the third round, wherever they fall. Um, but don't force that second running back is what I would say. Get get your elite one, and then you're kind of hoping that guy's going to be healthy all year anyway. I mean, most teams, if you lose your elite running back, you're kind of hurting. Um, so bank on that running back fill in one spot and just find a way to piece together that second spot and your flex throughout the rest of your draft. Um, you know, we know people pop up on waivers. We know there are people out there who are pretty elite handcuffs. There are ways to make this work. So uh, I, it's it's really one up front. And then if you can get one in the second through fourth, great. Um, but just don't force it. Okay. So you're saying basically like you definitely, obviously we all, you need your one, you need your guy. Every team needs that. So, so that kind of throws zero RB out the window then because uh, people who do zero RB the way that they say it's like you basically don't draft a running back through like the first five rounds, I think is, is generally accepted as far as zero running backs go. Um, are you, are you saying you need your anchor before you can go in and ignore running back for a while? I mean, I, there's a million ways to do it. I think you can draft all receivers and tight ends up front. I mean, that, that gives you a chance to get a Kelsey and to get a, an elite quarterback and have a bunch of good receivers. There's different ways to do this for sure. I think a lot of people who say they're doing zero RB are actually getting that elite one, and then they're just not touching the position for 10 rounds. Um, so that's kind of a, the modified zero RB. Uh, that's a viable strategy. But I, I mean, I think any strategy is viable. You just have to let the draft fall to you. I, I don't think you want to go in there with this is the way I'm going to draft. Uh, you, you just need to take what your pick is, uh, which ADP guys fall, all that stuff, and, and adapt to it as it goes. I just, I really hate just having a, a set strategy before the draft starts and saying I'm going to stick to it. That's how you get in trouble. So, you know, if you pick, if you're picking 12 and you get DeAndre Hopkins and Stephon Diggs, like, great. I, I think it still works. So I, I don't think you have to have a top one. I just, I think the ones I like, I'll usually be able to get one in the first round. Well, Eric, you know, you may hate going in with like a set strategy, but you know what I hate is when the strategy is, uh, yeah, we'll just, the, we'll pick the best player available. That, <laughs> that doesn't help me, Eric. I don't know what I'm doing. You know, that's the problem. Well, uh, I mean, I need, I need structure. That's why, I mean, you have a good ranking sheet, whether it's your own or our cheat sheet or whatever, um, but you have something that you can trust there in front of you. You've already done the work, so you're not doing the research on the spot of do I want Jonathan Taylor or DeAndre Hopkins, you know what I mean? And it just, it really helps you. And then when, if you pass on the running backs in the first two rounds, maybe you bump up you know, a couple of them further down the list, draft them a half round earlier or whatever. But uh, no, I understand. But that's, I mean, that's the whole point of rankings is just that's how you're prepared and you, you adapt to the draft as it comes to you. So, so you mentioned uh, that you don't need to force it. You don't need to force that second running back. Um, but what is that? So it sounds like you're kind of avoiding picking those like mid range running backs that in years past, I mean, I, I think back to like when I would pick, like, I remember Le'Veon Bell was like a popular fifth round pick. And it, like, that's just the kind of running back that just kills you because there was no upside there. Um, so when you, when you're saying kind of, I mean, this obviously post uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, Le'Veon Bell, um, but when you're, when you're saying, you know, don't force it, is there a tier of your rankings that you find yourself not really drafting from? Um, is that tier three, tier four, tier five? Like, where do you find yourself like 
maybe not necessarily like I'm specifically avoiding these guys, but you come away out of the draft and went, oh yeah, I didn't get anyone from this section. Yeah, I think the back half of my tier three, I'm not avoiding them. They're just going earlier than I'll take them. There's just too many receivers there that I would want. So, I, I mean, I like – I mean, I'm completely fine drafting like the Joe Mixon, David Montgomery, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire types. It's just they're going too early for me. So, that's mm -hmm. a little different. Um, the tier four and tier five, though, there's a good chunk of tier four and almost all but three of my tier five that I'm just kind of avoiding. So, those are the tiers that I'm really avoiding. It's It starts off at Travis Etienne, who, who's one I'm drafting, ends at, uh, you know, Michael Carter, James Robinson types. It's just – a lot of those I'm avoiding. I'm picking out a few of them, but um, yeah, th that's the area. Then after that, it gets late in drafts. That's where you take your dart throws on the Tony Pollard types. Uh, you know, hope that uh, maybe James White gets a, a pass catching role with Mac Jones, that kind of stuff. But um, it's mainly tiers four and five I'm avoiding. Yeah, and I, by the way, I completely agree with that. I'm going into drafts this year, hoping to get two of the top, like say, twenty running backs or so. Um, and then and obviously draft position depends a lot on that. Uh, yeah, because you know, if you're at the end of the draft, like you were in the mock draft, you're looking at pick 36 by the time you're, you have your third round pick. And you know, that means you need to pick, uh, two of the, your first two picks need to be running backs. Cause you're not, you're not getting a top 20 running back at pick 36. There's no way. Um, so, you know, it, that does make a difference. Um, but I think for me, I would want to get two of those guys and then literally just wait till like round. 10 or 11 and then start um, maybe close my eyes, maybe, maybe uh, click around on the app and see what happens. But uh, uh, at that point, I think that's the low cost, uh, you know, way of, of throwing those darts. And um, yeah. as opposed to, as opposed to investing like a fourth round pick in someone like James Robinson, or uh, mm. I was about to say Josh Jacobs, but he's going in the second round, uh, Cream Hunt, uh, you know, these guys that are, are going to cost you a pretty penny and you have absolutely no idea if they're going to be it, so yeah and, uh, and it almost worked for me too where chris carson almost made it back to me at pick 312 like that would have been i would have picked a running back there you know if chris carson falls to me and i start kelsey aaron jones uh chris carson, carson. and robert woods like that's a great start so it it can happen at pick 12 but it, it makes it really hard if, if you only take one you're probably not getting a good one back to you yeah you you would have to, there would have to be like an insane run on wide receivers or you'd have to be in one of those leagues where everyone picks quarterbacks in the first like in the second and third round um, uh, to be able to push down like Carson to you. Uh, so let's talk about like the running backs specifically. Um, we'll start with tier one. I don't think we need to spend too much time on tier one. It's Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, and Alvin Kamara. Uh, is there anything we need to say about these guys other than pick them at the top of the draft? <laughs> no, nah, that's pretty much it. I mean, there are reasons to worry about each of them. I would focus, I guess, on Alvin Kamara. I've seen a lot of people worried about him. I get it. Breeze is gone. Michael Thomas is out. How good is this offense going to be? But, like, I mean, how is he not just getting massive volume this year? I just don't see any way, especially with Michael Thomas hurt now. I mean, who are they going to give the ball to? Like, and I trust Sean Payton. They still got a good defense, a good line. Um, I do think Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill, even though they are kind of both hilarious quarterbacks, uh, I think they can produce in this offense. So um, it's going to be interesting to see who gets the job and how that affects the offense. But I think it works out. Everyone's worrying about when Taysom Hill was a quarterback last year. Um, Kamara only saw five combined targets in the first two games with Hill. I get it. That's worrisome. Uh, everyone started freaking out about that. Uh, the next game, two games with Taysom Hill, though, Kamara saw 16 combined targets. Like, that sounds like Kamara. So um, I just think over the course of a season, he's going to get fed the ball. He's still my number three. Um, other than that, yeah, you're crazy if you're passing on CMC or uh, Dalvin Cook unless it's a super flex league. 
Yeah, and I mean that you know, back to the Taysom Hill point, it's one thing to be thrust into the starting quarterback role, especially. I mean, the backup quarterback should be able to step up into the starting quarterback's role and run the system. Taysom Hill was not the backup quarterback. Taysom Hill was the literally whatever Sean Payton. I mean, he was flex out of tight end. He was fullback. He he when he was quarterback when Drew Brees was healthy, it was because it was an option play. That's what they were doing. Uh, and not even an RPO, just literally like Navy style option run. <laughs> uh, with when Taysom Hill was in that quarterback, you can't just literally in one week be like, all right, cool, learn how to check down your running back. Learn like learn how to, let's let's add this part to your game. You have training camp. I guarantee you that's what they're working on. Uh, they're working on this kind of stuff. They're implementing that stuff so he'll be comfortable with it. And as you said, you know his third and fourth start, sixteen combined targets. The more weeks, the more time you have to practice the stuff, the more comfortable you're going to get with it. That's just that's that's uh, human nature. So uh, definitely understand that. Uh, we'll move to tier two where the number one uh, running back you have here is Derrick Henry. And I want to talk about him real quick because you have Derrick Henry. It's not a big deal that you have him four and Alvin Kamara three. And they're, they're flip-flopped in ADP right now. What's interesting, though, is that you have denoted a tier break between Kamara and Henry. So you do see there's a, there's a drop-off for you there. And Henry, not only is he being drafted above Kamara right now, but his ADP is almost identical to Dalvin Cook's. Um, if anything, by looking at ADP, there's a there's an actual drop off from Henry to Kamara, not the other way around. So why do you have it flip flopped? Right. So, I mean, Henry has been outrageously consistent, um, and his 2020 season was just bonkers. I mean, it was, and you know, he, what did he do? 2,000 yards, uh, 17 touchdowns, I think. I mean, it was wild. Um, but even with that season. It wasn't an all-time great fantasy season. Uh, Ten different running backs have had better point-per-game seasons than that over the past three seasons. You know, so it, it oh, took wow. him that crazy year to get 21 points per game in fantasy, which is, I mean, it's elite. I mean, it's it's a really good season. But, I mean, you look at the best year from Alvin Kamara in the past three seasons. It was 25 points a game. Uh, Dalvin Cook, 24 points a game. Christian McCaffrey uh, last year was 30 in a shortened season, but 29 before that. So, um, that's why he's the tear break for me is because without that pass catching, he just has to have an outrageous season, which he just did. Um, and it's still not quite like – it's not Christian McCaffrey, McCaffrey winning you the, the league. I mean, maybe down the stretch when he gets hot, Derrick Henry can do that. But I, I do think it's a little bit of a tear break just because there's no pass catching. It's it's almost like the running back version of what we talked about in the quarterback podcast where if you are a quarterback that doesn't run, you're at a disadvantage now. Derrick Henry – does not catch the ball. He gets like one reception a game, if that. Uh, so there's just there's a whole uh, aspect of the game that he's missing out on that these other guys are getting, and especially in a PPR league that can that can hurt even half PPR. Uh, that stuff adds up. So uh, definitely okay. So I understand why you have Derek Henry at four. Um, I, I see that. I think in a standard league, obviously that stuff goes out the window. Yeah. Um, and, and also, I mean, if you're concerned and you want to make sure that your first pick is like rock solid. Um, and you're willing to sacrifice a little bit of upside, that's where, you know, Derrick Henry can make sense at pick three or even pick two for you. Um, but, I, I mean, you know, we, we'd rather have Cook and Kamara. And I'm, I agree with you on that. I, I 100% see the logic there. Um, the next guy you have is Aaron Jones, uh, who you have ranked as the fifth running back. Uh, I know you mentioned you drafted him, uh, you know, in the, in the mock draft. You mentioned you would have picked him earlier if you had the chance. Uh, his ADP is ninth running back off the board. So you have him four spots higher than the field. Why do you have Aaron Jones ranked so high? I'm sure some of that's baked into pre Aaron Rodgers coming back ADP, but I'm still high on him. 
I mean, I think if you look at the people behind him on the list, there's a lot more question marks. I mean, Saquon Barkley coming off an ACL, Ezekiel Elliott, he, you know, we'll get to him later. Um, Austin Eckler doesn't do much on the ground. Jonathan Taylor, we talked a lot about him. I don't see what the question marks are with Jones personally. I mean, you know, fantasy managers complain because he doesn't get a huge workload. Uh, he had a 62% snap rate in 2019, 52% in 2020. But, I mean, he's still been good. He's still been a top five running back in points per game with that. Um, Rodgers is back. They lose Jamal Williams, who was in the pass-catching role. They're going to replace him with A.J. Dillon. Um, I suppose Dylan could vulture some touchdowns and that would be worrisome, but I think this is going to force Aaron Jones into the pass catching role, um, which is really exciting to me. I mean, we know we want that pass catching. It helps in PPR leagues. Uh, Jones has already had 63 and 68 target seasons over the past two years. He's a good pass catcher. And I think we see that jump up this year with him filling in for Jamal Williams on the third down role. So I, I just, I don't see a lot of question marks here. He's going to score touchdowns. He's going to catch passes. He's in an excellent offense. I don't think AJ Dillon's going to steal the job from him. So I, you know, I just, I don't see any reasons to pass on Aaron Jones personally. Yeah. And, and you mentioned in some of it's the potentially like the pre Aaron Rodgers coming back uh, still baked into his ADP. One of the cool things uh, we're using fantasy data, uh, fantasy data.com uh, for ADP. They track uh, every week. So we have, uh, I have his ADP on July 19th, on July 26th. And uh, or I should say through July 19th, through July 26th and through August 2nd. And his ADP did rise uh, half a pick in, in one week, which doesn't sound like a lot. But it, it when you're talking about, you know, just seven days worth of data compared to however you know many months of data they have leading up to now, uh, that's pretty significant. So it is very possible Aaron Jones climbs up. Um, I think you probably I don't I don't see a world in which Aaron Jones goes higher in a draft than any of the four people you have, you have named. So I think you still have him at the highest point anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, but it just goes to show that, you know, his, his ADP is likely rising and, and you might see Aaron Jones going anywhere from five to nine uh, in your drafts. Uh, next you have Saquon Barkley coming off the ACL injury. Are you at all concerned uh, about him coming back from injury? Yeah, I am. Um, I definitely am. And the, some of the talk out of camp has not been great, but it's not like there's been setbacks. Um, they just sound like they're being responsible with this, which is what they should be. There's no reason to give them a ton of work right now. There's no reason to run them out there in the preseason. So if he's ready for week one, it's just his upside is just so huge. I mean, his rookie year, he had 121 targets and 91 receptions. Like it's, they're just, there's maybe one or two running backs in the whole league that can do that. So um, I don't like his quarterback. The offensive line is going to be bad. There's some question marks here. He is like the total uh, upside or bust pick out of this group. He could win you your league. He could also get hurt you know, or just play on a struggling team. So he's a risky one. He's definitely one where you need to bake in how much risk you want in the first round. All right. And then next we have Ezekiel Elliott. So speaking of risk, uh, Cowboys uh, head coach Mike McCarthy came out and said that he's looking to use Tony Pollard more um, as Ezekiel Elliott doesn't need to, quote, run the ball 25 to 30 times a game. When you get to December, January football, you want him to be in top form to be able to run the ball 25 to 30 times if needed, end quote. So basically saying that, you know, they want to make sure Zeke is fresh for January, which I, I got to say, I'm very, very pleased to hear that they expect to be a playoff team because that would, that would be fantastic. Optimistic. Uh, I mean, hey, well, we got the offense. Uh, don't you get oh, optimistic. I'm just it would be, be optimistic to say the Bengals are a playoff team. That's optimistic. Okay. Uh, um, <laughs> but, okay, but to the to the analysis though, 
What I thought was interesting, though, is they mentioned he doesn't need to run the ball 25 to 30 times a game. Um, he has not come close to that in any of the last three seasons. Uh, his average attempts have dropped three years in a row from about 20 in 2018 to 18.8 to down to 16.3 last year. So even if you were to you know take that sentence and be like, oh, well, I mean, no one runs the ball that many times. He meant 20 to 25. He hasn't even been doing that each of the last two years. So do we do we actually expect that number to drop or is it is it he's already kind of doing that and we can expect, you know, another year of around 16 carries a game like he was at last year? Yeah. So, I mean, I would say that, first of all, uh, with five games with Dak, he was closer to 18 carries per game. That's about like he was the year before. So um, that number came down without Dak. They were always behind. They were trailing, you know. So he was pretty close to holding the same status five games with Zach, Dak. And uh, through those five games, he averaged 6.4 targets per game and scored six touchdowns. So it was pretty good when Dak was in there. Uh, the big thing for me is fine, even if he carries the ball less. He's averaged 79 targets per season over the last three seasons. That's fourth best uh, among all running backs. You know, his average season has been 79 targets. So uh, he's an underrated, you know, pass catcher, pass catching volume. They're going to get him the ball. They probably will mix in Pollard more. Um, and I understand that Zeke's not the most exciting pick at this stage of his career. Um, he's lost a little bit of juice. His breakaway rate suffered. You know, there's there's some stuff here that points to him on the decline, but he's still just 26, I believe. Uh, and I don't think Pollard is a bell cow back, so he's still going to get a bunch of volume in a high-scoring offense. So uh, that's kind of what I'm banking on with Zeke. And maybe he falls off a cliff this year, but he seems like he'll age a little more gracefully. He hasn't had a, a ton of injuries, and he had COVID last year too. So, I mean, there's some excuses for his season last year. Yeah, and the other good news uh, for fantasy managers, at least, is that uh, this isn't a situation where you know Zeke's going to lose goal line. Uh, carries to Tony Pollard. That's not, he's going to lose maybe drives. Uh, but even in those, uh, even in those drives, I could even see as they get into like the green zone, uh, put bringing Zeke into the game because, you know, that's where Zeke profiles to, to do very well. Um, he is a very strong runner. And, uh, you know, even if you have game, you know, games where maybe the script says, Hey, we're going to bring in Tony Pollard. Maybe that's between the twenties um, for this drive. And, and, you know, if we're on either end, we're going to bring in Zeke kind of a thing. So I, I the the carries you're going to lose, you might lose a home run hit, uh, you know, a game, and maybe Pollard gets some of those big runs. But I, I don't think we're really going to see a huge amount of uh, a fantasy, you know, production being siphoned away from Zeke in favor of Tony Pollard. Um, we'll, let's talk about Pollard real quick. I, I know uh, we'll touch on his tier later, but he's in tier six. Um, what, like, where would you rank Pollard among the handcuffs? Like, is he – like we got a draft, you're leaving the draft with Tony Pollard on someone's team level of handcuff, or is it, you know, maybe he can be on the wire. Where would you put Pollard? Yeah. So there's some borderline. I don't know if you would consider them handcuffs or not ahead of them. I don't think you would though. Maybe AJ Dillon, we'll get to him later. I, I, I think Pollard's basically my highest handcuff and I think he's really good for like zero RB type teams or just teams you went light. And that's kind of, I drafted him in the mock draft. Because I think he is going to contribute some points on his own, even when Zeke's out there. You're not going to want to start him, but it's going to be more than nothing. He's he's going to be out there, and yeah, he he would be huge if Zeke got hurt. Um, I, I think he wouldn't be as good as maybe some would think if Zeke got hurt. I don't know if he's jumping up into like first round status, but uh, he's definitely going to be a running back you want on your roster. So um, I think outside of like AJ Dillon, he's probably my top handcuff. Yeah, the, most of the the running backs you have listed above him that are are the second 
running back from the team in your ranking. So they're not necessarily like, for example, Melvin Gordon, I have listed here as an RB two, but that's because you have Javante Williams ranked ahead of him. Yeah. Uh, so Javon, actually, Javante Williams might be the highest quote-unquote handcuff because it sounds like as of right now, Gordon is expected to be the starter coming yeah. into the season. But there's there's so much time between now and the season starting that anything can happen. But yeah. a lot of those other guys... Yeah, traditional handcuff, though, is just a guy you sit on your bench. You know, Williams right. and uh, Gordon, that's a competition. Um, even yeah. James Robinson and ETN, that's a little bit yeah. unknown. You got a rookie coming in. Pollard's stuck behind... Uh, you know, a, a borderline like Hall of Fame running back if he kept doing this. You know what I mean? So I'd right. say he's the first like true handcuff. Yeah, that's exactly what I was about to say. Like the other guys are like James Conner, Ronald Jones, Raheem Mostert, who are all locked in position battles and or are just straight up going to be like a 50-50 split with the with the other running back. So there's there's really no uh, reason to consider them that way. Um, okay, so the rest of tier two after Ezekiel Elliott, we have Austin Eckler, who I feel like we've talked about a million times already this offseason. Eckler's great. Um, he's in a great offense. He has a great role. Uh, draft Eckler, uh, Jonathan Taylor, who we talked about at the top of the show uh, extensively. So that rounds out tier two. Uh, then we start tier three with Nick Chubb. You have him ranked as your 10th running back. He's actually going uh, quite a bit higher. Basically you have Aaron Jones fifth and Chubb 10th, and you can like flip flop those as far as ADP goes. Um, Chubb just signed a contract extension, uh, three years, 36 million, 20 million of that guaranteed, which is pretty good. Um, does that in any way affect his fantasy value? Do you see either redraft or dynasty? Do you see kind of a, a shift in value based on the commitment the Browns just made to Chubb? There's probably not a ton. Definitely not in redraft. Dynasty, I I would assume most people already thought he was going to come back. Um, if you have him on your team, then this is great. This is a super rush-heavy offense, and we know he's locked in there, good offensive line. So, yeah, I mean, it does help in Dynasty, but I think it was kind of already factored into his price for the most part. So you can just kind of sleep easier at night if you rostered him. That's what I would say. But it, I, it was hard to imagine the Browns weren't going to bring him back. Uh, he's just, I mean – First in juke rate last year, uh, second in breakaway rate, according to fantasy data. He's just one of the most elite, just pure runners in the league. So if he if he's this awesome, why is he in tier three? <laughs> well, he got uh, one and a half targets per game last year. Um, only had three in 2019. That was kind of a, a big year for him. And Kareem Hunt's there. We know he's going to split the work. He's going to share touchdowns. It's just he's kind of got to be like Derrick Henry to crack you know, the top five and with, with, with Kareem Hunt there, I just, I don't think he can get that massive Derek Henry workload. So that's all it is. It's just no passing game work. Um, Hunt's enough of an issue. If Hunt got hurt, it'd be really interesting, but I still think he's not going too much higher than like RB five. So that it's just kind of the ceiling, but I totally get it. If you are sitting there at the end of the first round and you just want a running back, you don't have to worry about that's Nick Chubb. Uh, take him, start him every week. I mean, he's missed some games. Every running back does, but uh, he seems like he'll hold up to the workload pretty well. It sounds like you basically, you could have copied the exact analysis you gave me for Derrick Henry and like yeah. pasted it right there because it's exactly what you said with Henry. The reason why the teardrop is yes, the floor is massively high. Yes. You know that, that he's going to be incredibly steady. It's just that because of the lack of the passing work, um, and also for Chubb with the existence of Kareem Hunt, who is easily the best second running back uh, in the NFL currently. Uh, it, this upside is just limited to the point that all the guys above him in tier two, while some of them have lower floor, floors, their ceilings are all in, way higher than Chubb's is. Um, mm-hmm. Chubb, I mean, what best case scenario might be like RB five, RB six. And that's if he has like an amazing year. Whereas all the guys in tier two, you could, 
maybe Ackler's the only one that I think you'd have to really squint to see like an RB one season, but like top three running back, certainly doable for all of those guys. So uh, I can definitely see, understand why Chubb's here in tier three. Um, the next three running backs I kind of want to talk about kind of as a group. They're all very interesting to me uh, as, as young running backs. We've got uh, Antonio Gibson at 11, Najee Harris at 12 and Deandre Swift at 13. So two sophomores and then the rookie Harris sandwich between them. Um, what do you see from these young guys uh, and why are they ranked so high, especially for people like uh, Harrison Swift, who we, you know, Harris, we've not seen in the NFL and Swift. I really haven't seen him maybe a few games last year where he really got let loose, but uh, for most of Swift's rookie year, he was either uh, hurt or in, you know, not given the free reign or just, you know, just plain sharing the work. Right. Yeah. I mean, so I'll start with Gibson. The more I've looked into him, the more I'm liking him. I'm catching up to some people out there in the industry. But, um, I mean, he averaged 14.7 touches a game over last year, was RB18 in his rookie year. Um, and he just – he got it done on the ground, which was surprising. We thought he was going to be a pass catcher. Uh, J.D. McKissick stole all the pa- pass catching work. Um, Alex Smith was dumping off to him. Uh, that was disappointing for last year. But I can't imagine they're going to do it again. I mean, I think that just fit Alex Smith's role so well on the checkdowns. I mean, McKissick caught 80 passes, but, I mean, he he had 110 targets and only turned them into 589 yards. So it was not efficient. They need to give those targets to Gibson. So I just – he's already shown that he can get it done on the ground. He had 11 touchdowns, um, almost 800 yards in 14 games. We just need more of that passing game work. We know he's talented. There's just a ton of opportunity there for him. Fitzpatrick is going to make this offense a lot better. Uh, just compared to Alex Smith and everyone else they rolled out there last year. Um, say what you will about Fitzpatrick, but he's going to move the ball. They're going to put up yards. So I, I think there's just it's a, it's going to be a pretty fun offense with McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, Logan Thomas, and I just I think he can do it. Um, some people have said Fitzpatrick doesn't check down, but he was getting the ball to Miles Gaskin last year. Gaskin caught 27 or 29 passes. So uh, I just I really like Gibson this year. Um, I can move. You want me to move on to Najee Harris now? You got any questions on Gibson? Well, no, I mean, I was just going to say that I think it's funny. I just realized they went from Alex Smith, who can't throw the ball more than 10 yards, to Ryan Fitzpatrick, who generally doesn't throw the ball less than 10 yards. So, uh, just, you know, maybe, maybe they need like a second quarterback out there who can, you know, mix and match with, with Fitzpatrick. Actually, Fitzpatrick and Smith together as a quarterback tandem, that, that's really all you need in life. Uh, you can almost uh, mix and match them the way you do running backs. I, I would love that. Uh, but okay. But with Gibson, the talent's there. Uh, we loved him last year as a breakout candidate when he got the opportunity, he showed what he can do. And I, I absolutely think he's going to get the opportunity this year. Uh, no more Peyton Barber, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh to, to carry the ball like seven times for one yard. So, uh, no, let's talk about Najee Harris who, yes, he was the top drafted running back in the NFL draft. Uh, right. Or did ETN go right ahead of him? I can't remember now. Uh, no, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Okay. Harris was first. Uh, and a lot of people though are very concerned about the Steelers offensive line and also all of the wide receivers that are there. So are you at all concerned? I mean, you have Najee Harris ranked 12th, but are you concerned about that floor? Right. So, I mean, I'm actually kind of proud of the the fantasy community here because I, I feel like the only reason not to jump him up even higher than this is the offensive line. I think it shows that, you know, PFF grades them as the second worst offensive line going into the year. It was really bad. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I, I don't see what the other issues are other than just, you know, can he hold up to the year as a rookie? Uh, how talented is he? But outside of Harris himself, I mean, I think the situation is really good. They've told us a million times they want him to be the bell cow. 
Um, right. They want to get him the ball in the air. They've lined him up out wide. He, he did that in college. Uh, I just I don't see any way he doesn't get the ball a lot. And the Steelers want to throw the ball downfield more, but uh, Roethlisberger averaged 3.1 air yards per attempt last year, uh, 32 <laughs> out of 35 quarterbacks. So unless he can get the deep ball going, like this is an alternative to just throwing short passes to Juju and and uh, Deontay Johnson. So they're going to need him. Um, James Conner was good in this offense. Le'Veon Bell was good in this offense. I, I just I don't see any issues other than just his performance personally, which we think is going to be really good in the offensive line. So I think the volume will overcome if he's getting a lot of 20 to 20 carry for 70 yard gains. I think he'll get five or six catches. Like, I just think there's going to be so much volume here. Yeah, I, I, I understand that. I'm I'm personally very concerned about the uh, offensive line. Uh, okay. And I, I so Najee Harris, I'm out on him personally, but uh, it's just it's just that I, you know, We've seen it enough times where if the running back doesn't have anywhere to go, uh, they don't, they can't go anywhere. Uh, yeah, it's just, that's my concern. I mean, it was still a decent offense last year. I mean, it, you know, they frustrated us. It wasn't pretty. It was a lot of short passes, but I mean, there were worse offenses out there. So I don't know. Maybe a year off of the injury, Roethlisberger has a little more juice, and uh, maybe one last hurrah here. I don't know. I just, I just, I'm chasing the volume for sure. All right. Well, and then the next one is probably the one that we probably should spend the most time on. Uh, and that's DeAndre Swift, because you have him as your 13th ranked running back. He's actually going off the board 20th uh, among running backs. His ADP right now is at the pick 32. So basically uh, back half of the third round. Why are you so much higher on DeAndre Swift than everyone else? So I think everyone's taken the Jamal Williams signing and run with it a little too far. Um, they signed him. He's a he's a running back that coaches are going to love. Uh, they're going to love him in the third down role. Uh, and everyone's kind of read some quotes about him and just kind of exaggerated it here. Uh, Williams, I don't think, is going to stop a major breakout. If Swift is a player we hope he can be, I don't think Williams is going to stop it. He's just going to be a compliment. So there's that. Um, I think the change in coaching – um, we don't know how good the Lions coaching is going to be, but it was about as bad as possible with Matt Patricia. So we're already starting at the bottom. So like average coaching is a big upgrade here. Um, and then like, you know, I was kind of, I go through in the article, I was kind of comparing like a breakout season of Todd Gurley's in 2017, the things you need. And I'm not saying Swift is going to be Todd Gurley, but he checks a lot of the boxes. Um you know, talented. He was drafted, uh, what, second round by early second round. Um, mm -hmm. Lead back status, um, youth, pass catching ability. Uh, Swift is really good in the air. Uh, good yep. offensive line play. I think the Lions are going to have a really good offensive line with Penny Sewell now. Uh, PFF ranks them 10th overall. Uh, and then a massive upgrade in coaching. Those are all the things that went into Gurley's breakout. Swift kind of checks a lot of those boxes. He's not the same athlete as Gurley, but he's talented. Um, you know, he ran a, a 4.840 at 212 pounds. So um, he's very talented, can catch a lot of passes, should see the field a lot. And, hey, who knows? Maybe this is a team that surprises everyone. The coaching's good. Um, I like the coaching staff that Dan Campbell has around him. He's got a lot of former players. Uh, it just seems like a coaching staff players are going to want to play for. So maybe it doesn't work out, but Swift is a young player. He's athletic, and he's going to catch a lot of passes. And uh, you start going down the list behind him, and it's harder to find that. Well, before we go down the list behind him, I just want to point out that uh, I my, the most concerned I, I got when I was reading through some of the news, including some of the quotes about Swift and Jamal Williams, had actually nothing to do with the quote at all. But the person who said it, which was uh, offensive coordinator Anthony Lynn, 
And uh, <laughs> I, I forgot that he was no longer the Chargers head coach, which first of all, thank God. And number two, how can you trust Anthony Lynn in any role? I just, I, I can't, I can't trust him. So his worst aspect was his in-game management. So hopefully he's not That's calling true. timeouts and stuff now. <laughs> and he loved Anthony. Lo- Anthony Lynn loves running backs. So that's all yeah, I'll yeah, say. Yeah. He enjoys the running back position. So he may force feed the ball to Swift. Let's we'll see. Yeah, it's, po- it's possible. <laughs> I just when I got to that line, I, I uh-huh. think I, I blacked out for a second. I was like, oh god, I had flashbacks. I was like, no. It's a no, fascinating yeah. coaching staff. You should go to – I went to the Lions page and just looked at all the pictures. It's There's some former players that are real cool. There's some just ridiculous pictures, some good names. It's a, it's a fun coaching staff. I suggest everyone check it out. And then Anthony Lynn. Uh, so the guys <laughs> the guys behind DeAndre Swift, uh, we got Joe Mixon, David Montgomery, Clyde Edwards-Elair, J.K. Dobbins, and Chris Carson rounding out the third tier, which, yeah, there's not a lot of pass catching in there. Uh, I get who CEH is probably going to get the most uh, receptions out of that, that Hopefully. group of uh, players. Yeah. Or I mean, I guess Mixon sometimes get, gets mixed in there, but the problem with Mixon is uh, he injured his ankle on Tuesday. Um, so and he, I mean, he practiced on Wednesday. So it's not like, you know, uh, the end of the world for Joe Mixon with this injury, but I mean, are, are we doing this again? We're we going to go Joe Mixon. What, what two years, three years, four, however many years has it been of the Joe Mixon? Is he hurt? Is he not trained? I, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know if I'm willing to get back on this train. Eric. It, it's tough. I mean, it always scares me when players miss just such a huge portion of the season like that. I mean, it's one thing if it's you know an ACL, you know what it is. They they have to rehab it, come back. But like, we didn't even know why Mixon missed last year. It reminds me a little bit of like Michael Thomas. I mean, he missed last year and yeah. he's already hurt again. Um, I mix, Mixon's missed 48 of a possible 64 games since throughout four NFL seasons. I don't know. I'm I'm skeptical as well. I, I I don't think he's injury prone, but it's just it's getting to the point where it's I don't know how you can ignore it. So um, I will say he had a career high targets per game with Joe Burrow when he was in the lineup. So, you know, we'll see if the pass catching goes up and he stays on the field. He's going to be worthy of a first round pick. It's just he's got to stay on the field. and He's got to catch more passes than he has in his career. Geo's gone. So, I mean, that, that's encouraging. Third down back is gone. So I just yeah. I'm with you. I have a hard time pulling the trigger on Mixon. Yeah, just I, the ceiling is there, but the I, he might have the lowest floor of anyone we've talked about so far. Uh, actually, he does because he's the most likely one to get hurt. Um, I mean, I guess it's like a Saquon Barkley like setback, notwithstanding. I guess that's or or whatever's going on in Indianapolis. Uh, <laughs> Jonathan Taylor get that same foot injury. I guess that maybe those are the those are the other ones with the low floor. Uh, next is David Montgomery. Um, I, I really like Montgomery. He looked really good at the end of last season. Uh, you know, what was it? Six games in a row. He ended up being like the running back four. Uh, he, he was really, really good. Um, is there any reason why we can't expect more of that uh, from him this year? I mean, I think maybe expecting the elite production um, is a little foolish. I mean, he was a third round pick coming out of college. Not a lot of you know, not a great athletic profile. Uh, so he doesn't quite fit the, you know, monster fantasy running back from that perspective. But I mean, his competition right now is Tariq Cohen, who's struggling to come back from his ACL injury. Uh, they got a sixth round rookie running back in Khalil Herbert. Um, they have a 28 year old Damian Williams who hasn't played since 2020 because he opted out. So I just, I think Montgomery's going to be on the field a ton and hopefully, you know, between Dalton and uh, Justin Fields, the offense is. Uh, at least as good as last year, if not better. So he, he's just a volume play. I understand if you want to pass on him though and take a receiver. 
Yeah, last last six games of last season, by the way, he averaged 19 carries and 100 yards per game with uh, 1.2 touchdowns. So, I mean, maybe expecting uh, a touchdown a game, that, that's probably uh, a little much. But, I mean, I just – he looked so good last year. Um, finally looked like he, he you know, understood the, the NFL running game. Uh, Matt Nagy was giving him carries, uh, which was always a, an issue there. So, I, I just – I don't know. I think Montgomery is someone that I would definitely be if I if I was needing my second running back. Um, Montgomery is probably the one I'll be drafting a lot of. Um, after him, we got Clyde edwards Delaire, J.K. Dobbins, and Chris Carson. Um, I, I, is there any separation in these three guys for you? Uh, any reason why you'd want one or, or, over the others? Um, I mean Edwards, if it all clicks, he should get passing game work, and I don't think Dobbins is going to get that. Um, the problem is Edwards Hilaire averaged just 23 receiving yards per game last year. Um, so it's just, you know, he re- had one receiving touchdown. Like that was supposed to be where he he dominated was in the passing game. So we need to see that change. And I worry that Patrick Mahomes just isn't going to check the ball down ever. So maybe it doesn't. I don't know. Um, so th- that's the only reason he's first. Dobbins, he could have like the highest yards per carry in the league and just break out on the ground. But, I mean, the passing game work is not going to be there. Uh, it's, they just, Lamar's not going to target the running back position. So, um, I, it's just, I think his ceiling's a little lower than CEH's, even though I, I think there's a good chance he finishes ahead of CEH, but if everything works. And then Carson, I mean, he's good. Um, he's definitely a worthy RB2. I'd be happy to draft him. Um, you know, he's kind of just settled into that, like, you know, 15 points a range, uh, points per game range. We kind of know what we're getting out of him. Uh, if you're not chasing the upside, then he's pretty solid. He'll he'll finish as like the RB ten or twelve probably. I mean, sometimes that that floor is just really all you need, uh, especially if you took someone in the first round uh, that you know is more of an, an upside play, or you know maybe your running backs are like Antonio Gibson and Chris Carson, and then that way you've yeah. got you've got the upside and you've got the floor. Um, so that rounds out tier three uh, of these guys. Who would you say your most going after in drafts uh, at their ADP. So not that obviously, you know, you're ranking like Gibson higher than Carson, but at their price, who would you say you're targeting the most in drafts? Um, Again, just for the listeners, that's Nick Chubb, Antonio Gibson, Najee Harris, DeAndre Swift, Joe Mixon, David Montgomery, Clyde Edwards-Dealer, J.K. Dobbins, and Chris Carson. Yeah, I mean, a couple months ago, I didn't think I'd be saying it, but it's it's DeAndre Swift just on ADP. I think he's going too late, and I – think this could really go well for him. And I think he's got a pretty good floor. He's going to be involved in the passing game. So it's swift for me. And who are you avoiding the most in this year? Oh, man, avoiding the most. Um, I find myself finding ways to avoid Bengals players. So uh, <laughs> other than the receivers, I'm in on the receivers, but I think it's probably mixing. Uh, people just get excited about him every year. And he, he raises a little too high for me to draft him in drafts. Yeah, I'm out on Mixon and Najee Harris at their price. I just, I, I, if not, if Harris was was like a third round pick, that's fine. But he's going like at the one two turn, and that's just way too rich for my blood. Um, and then for me, um, I like Swift a lot at his price. I, I think I'm also gonna be targeting. I mentioned it already, but David Montgomery. Uh, I think it, you know, in that like, if especially if I get like one of the top picks and I can part pair him with like Christian McCaffrey or Dalvin Cook, you know, draft David Montgomery and just feel like I'm good at running back for like literally the rest of the draft at that point. Um, cause I just drafted two top five running backs right there. So we're, we're definitely good. Um, okay. So let's talk about tier four, which we talked about at the top of the show as being somewhat uh, a tier that, you know, we're kind of avoiding. Uh, I'm going to jump around in order a little bit just because of how drastically different their ADPs are in this tier. So we're going to start actually with the 23rd and 25th ranked running back. So about 
uh, down near the bottom of tier four. And that is Josh Jacobs at 23 and Miles Sanders at 25. And I'm starting with them because Jacobs is being drafted at the end of round two as the 16th running back off the board and Sanders at pick 31 as the 19th running back off the board for, by the way, uh, that puts them right ahead of David Montgomery and uh, Deontay Swift respectively. So we're obviously drafting Swift and Montgomery and not Jacobs and Sanders, but why Eric is everyone else wrong for drafting Jacobs and Sanders where they are? (laughs) I, I mean, Man, I don't know if these people haven't had Jacobs on their team or what. He was just frustrating last year. It was just a boring season. If he wasn't scoring touchdowns, you weren't getting much from him. I mean, he was RB15 on a point-per-game basis, which is fine. Um, but, I mean, he's got 2.57 targets per game in his career. They brought in Kenyon Drake, who's a pass-catching specialist. Like, I, that's uh, – I just don't know what we're looking for here. I mean, do we think the Raiders' offense is going to break out and score a ton more touchdowns? I don't really – think so personally so I don't know what the upside is I think he's a complete floor play uh, he's someone you could plug in people get afraid of waiting too long at running back because um, it does get scary but that doesn't mean you need to use a premium pick on someone like Jacobs I just I don't think he has the touchdown upside I don't think he has the passing game upside and so I'm just passing on him personally I don't have the numbers in front of me but I remember towards the end of last season uh Jacobs was like near the bottom in terms of fantasy points per rush attempt. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he just doesn't, he's a high, like you need him to get 25 carries to, uh, you know, produce well, at, at least at the price that he's going at in drafts and uh, with Kenyon Drake there. And also, you know, that's a lot of carries for running back. He's, he's averaged 18 carries per game each of the last two seasons. So he's not even at like that 20 to 25 number that you really need him to be at. So, um, as you mentioned, no, not a lot of passing game work. I think that's another thing of of uh, the reputations there, but it just it's not actually happening. I think people have kind of, for some reason or another, thought of Josh Jacobs as like that Saquon Barkley like volume monster, and he just he hasn't been uh, yeah. for whatever reason. Uh, what about Miles Sanders? Why are you so low on him? Uh, so if it wasn't Jalen Hurts a quarterback, I think I could buy into it. It's just. It's the classic, you know, mobile quarterback isn't going to check down to the running backs because he's going to take off and run. I like Sanders as a pass catcher. I, as a running – as a between-the-tackles runner, he's whatever. Um, he does have big playability. We've seen him break off ADR touchdowns, but I just don't see him as the type that's going to grind it out on the ground. And if Hertz isn't going to give him a lot of passing volume, I just don't see it personally. Um, he was RB19 last year. I know that was a horrible year from the whole offense. Not really his fault. There's only so much he could do. But, I mean, they just drafted Kenneth Gainwell in the fifth round. They added on Johnson, who – not that he's a threat necessarily, but they're adding people at the position. So still have Boston Scott and Jordan Howard around. I don't know. I just <laughs> I, I just want him as a pass catcher. And if you dropped him into the Saints offense, then great. But I this Eagles offense, I just don't see how it happens. I, I absolutely need more of Jordan Howard uh, getting just- fewer yards than he was. I there was that was my favorite storyline of last year when it was like. All right, cool. Do we want Miles Gaskin to get the ball? No, we're going to give it to Jordan Howard eight times, seven seven yards. It's like oh, we've we mentioned uh, Jordan Howard twice and uh, Peyton Barber. It's, we're we're doing great. It's the here. same. It's the same. They're the same guy. Peyton Barber at least was like more than one yard per carry, uh, which is I mean I'm shocked that I'm I'm ranking Peyton Barber ahead of anyone else. Anyway, so let's talk about actual running backs that people should avoid <laughs> as opposed to Peyton Barber and, and and Jordan Howard, who you definitely should be avoiding. Um, so now we'll, we'll kind of move down the uh, tier four kind of in the ranking order. So you have Travis Etienne at the start of tier four. 
Um, we talked a little bit about it with like Trevor Lawrence and, uh, and Urban Meyer there in Jacksonville and, and how just kind of everything is changing a little bit. But uh, with regards to ETN, they have come out and said that they see J- um, yeah, James Robinson and Carlos Hyde as like the early down backs and then Travis ETN as the third down back. So you have a third down back, someone who's currently being claimed to be the third down back, ranked 19th in your rankings. Um, I, I mean, obviously you've got context here, so why don't you give it to me before I, I wonder if you're absolutely crazy. <laughs> well, yeah, um, part of it is I don't want to draft a lot of this tier, and I think he has the most upside here. I don't necessarily buy into Urban Meyer saying they drafted a first-round running back and they're just going to use him on third downs. Uh, if he gives significant snaps to Carlos Hyde over Travis Etienne, I think that's probably says more about Urban Meyer than it does Etienne. <laughs> um, but, I mean, it's really – I'm just hoping that Trevor Lawrence carries this offense, um, makes it a good offense, one we want a lot of different pieces on. Um, I think his ADP is pretty reasonable, ETN, so I'm not saying you draft him where he is on my list of running backs, but he's someone I want to come out of the draft with where he's going off the board. Um, the Jaguars' offensive line, like, isn't awful. They are ranked, uh, let's see, 23rd best unit heading into the season and PFF kind of notes that like they've got all their returning linemen back and there's definitely some upside here. Um, So they could be even better than 23rd. So it's not like bottom of the barrel offensive line here, Um, but it's really, it's just trying to latch on to Trevor Lawrence here. I think ETN is just the best running back in the backfield. He's got big playability. He can catch passes. We'll see how much volume it is. Um, If you want to skip him though, I, I think you're skipping a lot of this tier behind him. And we can talk about the rest, but there are some major holes here coming up in other running backs. Yeah, um, QB list writer Mark Salazar mentioned that uh, the other day during the mock draft that uh, only one first round running back, first like drafted in the first round of the NFL draft running back did not hit, uh, I believe it was 200 carries in their rookie season in the last five years. That was Rashad Penny. That's the only one. Every other running back that was drafted in the first round in the last five years, hit 200 carries in their rookie season. So um, that just goes to show, I mean, if ETN does it, he'd be only the second one to do it since then. And uh, there were reasons why Rashad Penny didn't hit 200 carries. And I don't, I don't think we're going to see the same thing with ETN. Um, I I don't, I don't think he has someone as good as Chris Carson ahead of him. And I don't think he has the same injury concerns that uh, Penny uh, had at that time. Well, has had his entire career. Um, Moving to the other Florida team, we got Miles Gaskin at 20. Uh, then Mike Davis, waiver wire league winner last year at 21. Um, he's the new uh, starting running back in Atlanta. Uh, and then Darrell Henderson at 22. Um, do we? I, let's talk about Henderson. I don't know if if you want to mention something on Gaskin and Davis. Feel free to. But with Henderson now the starting running back in LA after Cam Akers, unfortunately, is going to miss the season with a torn ACL. That's really a shame because he was uh, someone that everyone was excited to see. You know, kind of get that starting role. But with Henderson. It, I got to say this, this feels like fool's goal to me because we're drafting him uh, or we're going to be drafting him as if he's going to be the lead running back. And uh, it sounds like uh, Sean McVay does not want to use him in that bell cow role because of in, you know the concerns that he's not going to hold up for a whole season. I, I, I'm very concerned that this is going to be uh, very much a running back by committee in LA and Henderson is not going to return top 25 running back value. Yeah. So, I mean, just quick on Gaskin and Davis, I, you know, I'm kind of boiling it down to a quick argument here, but I just, I don't see either of them being one of those running backs you had to draft this year that wins you your league. I just, they're going to be fine. They'll give you some volume. Um, Henderson, 
So, I mean, I'm, I think I'm a little more optimistic than you. I agree. I don't think he's going to come in and take 80% of the snaps and just dominate here. Um, most of what we're hoping for is that this offense takes off with Matthew Stafford. Uh, they score a bunch of touchdowns and Daryl Henderson's involved. I mean, the backfield is pretty thin behind him. I know Xavier J- Jones is getting some hype. He seems to be the backup. I'd be happy to draft Xavier Jones too, uh, but there's no proven production behind Henderson. Maybe they add somebody. That's a risk you kind of have to weigh at this point in the off season. But um, I, I I do think there's some explosiveness to Henderson. Uh, he rushed for 4.5 yards per carry on 138 attempts last year. Like that, he, he contributed last year. Um, if he can stay healthy, uh, that's a big part, and I do worry about that. He's had a couple of high ankle sprains already in his career. But I just at this point of drafts, it's, it's possible we're getting the lead back on a really good offense, and I, I think it's worth a shot. And he doesn't have to get 80% of the snaps. If he gets 60% of the snaps and this is a good offense, he's still going to be a good fantasy player. So – it's definitely a risky one. Um, I'm guessing, well, you have the ADP numbers. I don't know how much I'm going to end up with them. I, I think people are going to hype them up more and more as we go. Um, so I have them ranked, you know, t- 22 overall. I kind of like them. I, I think a lot of drafts says someone's going to beat me to them. Yeah, Henderson's uh, ADP has been skyrocketing uh, since Aker's injury. He was uh, He's moved up 70 spots in his uh, ADP, and, and that means he's being drafted. This is one of those times where the the – number that I have is kind of misleading because it's at 65. Um, but that includes drafts where Akers was a starter. So I've, I've seen that recently he's been going kind of in the middle to end of the fourth round, which is exactly where Gaskin and Davis have been going. So I kind of feel like that's the, the price. Um, and then I'll rank similarly for you. I, I just feel like this is one of those, again, I mean, this is a tier we're avoiding because uh, it's just, these are a bunch of dudes who don't really have the upside. They just, Hey, they're starters. So we're going to draft them higher than these other guys who aren't starters. Uh, I, but I, I just feel like with Henderson, it's one of those situations where you, you're going to draft him and then, you know, you're not going to be starting him that much. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, and in our mock draft, he, he went 4.2 in our mock draft. That's too high for me. And Way then but Gaskin and Mike Davis went, um, mid sixth round. Like that feels fine to me for Gaskin and Davis. So if I can get them there, I kind of like that play, but I wouldn't want to take them in the fourth round either. Yeah, see, this is exactly why I, I, for me personally, I feel like I want to force a second running back within the first three rounds because yeah. I don't want to have to be looking at Gaskin in the sixth round and be like, yeah, yeah, that's going to make sense for my team because I, I would just rather not. Um, so then uh, finally in the uh, tier four, we've got um, two interesting rookies and then also Cream Hunt. So you have Cream Hunt at rank 26. Um, I, I mean, this is not what year three of the Cream Hunt and Nick Chubb's show in Cleveland. We, I think we know exactly what to expect from Kareem Hunt. I think he's a flexible player. I think he's a guy that's, that's good to have for when you get to bye weeks. Um, you know, I, I think Kareem Hunt, I think Kareem Hunt is exactly the player that I'm also avoiding at his price, considering he's being drafted in, in round four. So, um, but again, I, I think he, despite being the second running back on his team, fits the same mold as the Mike Davises and Miles Gaskins of the world. Um, however, Let's talk about the interesting ones. You got Trey Sermon as your 24th ranked running back. Um, he's currently going off the board as the 36th running back, uh, ADP of 81 overall, which is like right at the end of the seventh round. And then Javante Williams at 27. Um, he's currently – both these are, are position battles, right? Sermon battling with Mostert for the lead role in San Francisco, if there is a lead role in San Francisco. It's a Shanahan offense after all. And then Javante Williams with Melvin Gordon in Denver. Um, what do you see from Sermon and Williams – uh, do they, you know, what's their ceiling? Like, what, what can we expect if we're drafting one of these guys? 
Right. So, and honestly, just with some of the hype for Trey Lance and training camp, I might already have Trey Sermon ahead of Josh Jacobs, just since we published this. I don't know. Um, I, I mean, it kind of, it feels a little bit like the, uh, like the Colts situation where all these people are getting hurt. Like for Sermon, I mean, Jeff Wilson Jr. has already been hurt, missed a big chunk of time. Uh, we already saw reports that Raheem Mostert was practicing with a knee brace and said he wasn't he probably wasn't going to wear it in games which means he's considering it um, I don't know how many running backs wear knee braces but I don't think it's a lot of them it's probably not a great <laughs> sign so uh, I mean we're already seeing this running back core kind of get thinned out a little bit Mostert hasn't been able to hang or hold up to the workload um, so I mean what happens if this is Sermon competing with Elijah Mitchell Jamichael Hasty, Wayne Gallman even just for a few weeks like that's a huge spike so I don't know it's a third round pick in the NFL draft um, maybe Trey Lance comes in and this offense is better. I just, you know, I don't think that Sermon's going to take over a massive lead role here, but, um, and maybe this plays out similar to like Dobbins last year where it just takes forever. But I, I just think there's a lot of upside here with Sermon and it's uh, a coaching staff that I trust and I just don't love the rest of this backfield. So it's, it's hard for me to find reasons um, not to move up, keep moving him up and, you know, I've seen some scouting reports on him that are pretty glowing. So he might even be better than that third round draft pick capital. So I just, I think there's a lot of upside here with Sermon. Yeah. And I mean, like, and like I said, he's currently has an ADP of 81, which puts him at the end of the seventh round. So it sounds like, I mean, that's someone that that's to me, you know, picking a Miles Gaskin or Mike Davis is what loses you your league because you're wasting a, a fifth or sixth round pick, but using the seventh pick on a guy like Sermon, who very well could be like a top 15 running back. Mm -hmm. uh, that upside is there. Those are the kind of shots that I'd be taking in this middle of, of the draft if I'm picking a running back here. So I do see it with Sermon. However, I will say Sermon's competition is much less uh, formidable than who Javante Williams is competing with in Denver. So you've got Williams just three spots behind him, and he's going higher in drafts. Javante Williams is going uh, 60th overall, so literally the last pick of the fifth round. Um, but I'm, I'm concerned because Melvin Gordon is there. Melvin Gordon has been a, a big part of this Denver offense. Um, and he is going to, he's, he's not going to be benched. Uh, if, if he, if Javante Williams beats him in, in carries, it's going to be a split work as opposed to just, you know, all the work on to Williams. So why, I mean, you don't have to talk me into him ahead of Sermon because you, you have Sermon ranked higher, but why, if Sermon's off the board, why should I take a shot on Javante Williams? Yeah, it's, um, I mean, again, it's, we haven't seen him yet. And there, maybe there's some more upside than some of these guys around him because it starts getting ugly at running back. But uh, I mean, Melvin Gordon's, you know, 28 now. Um, we'll see. Maybe he suffers an injury and it's all Javante Williams' backfield. Who knows? But um, they've kind of flip flopped in camp. At first, they were saying they were giving Williams the shot to, you know, beat out Gordon. Now we're hearing Gordon's the RB1. I, I think it's just a lot of coach speak here. Um, but I mean, you know, Williams is an early second round pick, he's athletic. Um, they moved on from Philip Lindsay to go with him. I just, I think he's got big play potential, um, good defense. The offensive line might be trending upwards. Like there's just, there's some things that kind of click here for uh, Williams to have a nice season. So obviously I have to figure out the quarterback position. Obviously Melvin Gordon's going to be annoying regardless of how this happens. He's going to be getting 50% of the snaps or something. I get it. Uh, I just, at, at some point, I'm going to go for the upside. It's similar to when I was picking, you know, J.K. Dobbins last year in, in these rounds. It's, I'd rather take him than take, you know, Melvin Gordon or whoever else is going around this range. Kareem Hunt, we know he's not going to win you your league. He, he had time without Nick Chubb last year when Nick Chubb got hurt and nothing really changed with his role. So 
Um, it's just kind of the unknown here, talented rookie, and we'll see. Once he gets steps on the NFL field, maybe in preseason, we'll we'll get a glimpse of how talented he is. All right, and, uh, you know, as with Tier 3, I was going to ask who you're targeting and who you're avoiding, but I feel like it's pretty obvious based on the way we've been talking. The guys you target in Tier 4 are the ones with the upside. That's ETN, Sermon, and Javante Williams. And I guess you have Darrell Henderson uh, as someone to kind of look at. But, again, I, I think that's currently, based on the way we're looking at things, a little misleading because the ADP is, uh, you know, shooting up into the fourth round. Mm-hmm. Um, and the guys you avoid, I mean, Josh Jacobs and Miles Sanders at the top of that list, clearly based on – uh, where they're being drafted, but um, is there anyone in particular? Uh, let's put it this way: let's let's make things. I'm gonna make your life a little bit harder. Gaskin, uh, Miles Gaskin, Mike Davis, Darrell Henderson, and Kareem Hunt. These are kind of like the the boring picks here. Who of that group are you drafting, and who of that group are you avoiding? So it does. My team build would affect it a little bit, depending on how much safety I want. But um, I think probably. Based on where they're going, yeah, it's it's you're you're in the middle of the fourth, and I told you you have to pick one of these four guys. Middle of the fourth round, yeah, okay, that's where they're going. Who's uh, picks forty to forty eight? That's where they're going. Yeah, give me uh, Henderson and just hope everything works out here. Um, Gaskin and Davis are more just kind of if I missed on the position early and I want a little volume, and I hope they slide my draft a little bit. But if I have to jump up on someone, give me Henderson and uh, let's just cross our fingers he stays healthy. And then which of them, if, uh, if you absolutely could, or which of them would you want your, to get sniped on, right? Who would you want the guy in front of you to pick? Like, Oh, thank God. Cause I was never going to pick that guy. So someone else fell to me. Who, who would you least want of this for? I mean, it's honestly, I think it's miles Sanders. I just don't. Oh no, no, no. no. Of, uh, miles Gaskin, Mike Davis, Darrell okay. Henderson and cream hunt. Okay. I just hated him that much. I had to get him in there. Again. <laughs> Um, I think it's Gaskin, honestly, and I don't know why. I just – I have a bad feeling he's not going to hold up to a full year. He already didn't hold up last year. He just worries me. I could see Davis kind of plodding along all year and Ely start him all year, but I, I have a I, – I think the opportunity is good for Gaskin, and I love that he's a pass catcher. I just kind of have a bad feeling about him holding up this year. All right. Um, so Tier 5, big tier. Uh, we're not going to go too in-depth on, on every single one of these guys because I feel like this is – is probably the most avoidable tier, honestly. Yeah. Um, there's not. Let, let's just. Um, you tell me when you want to talk about a running back. So <laughs> the top of the top of tier five is uh, Buffalo Bills running back Zach Moss. Uh, then you got Chase Edmonds, Melvin Gordon, and uh, Damian Harris. Uh, anyone in that four you, you feel really strongly need to talk about? Um, I just briefly, like, I mean, I'll say Zach Moss, um, the injuries are really starting to pile up on him dating back to college. And that <clears throat> worries me. So I, I think there are a lot of people banking on him being kind of a zero RB target and I've drafted him some too, but, um, I think there's an issue here with his health and Josh Allen's going to steal goal line work. So just don't get too high on him. And Chase Edmonds, if he was had a coordinator that I trusted a little more to be creative, I'd probably be higher up on him. I just don't like Cliff Kingsbury, the way he used him. Edmonds got one game as the lead back last year, and they gave him 25 carries like he was some, you know, between the tackles runner. He got 70 yards out of it. So um, I wish Edmonds was used better. Um, so I'm kind of drafting those two a little bit, but I also uh, – there are some pretty big red flags there. All right. And then, uh, I mean, I should have mentioned – so both uh, Chase Edmonds and James Conner are in this tier. Um, it sounds to me like you're targeting Edmonds over Conner. Uh, as, as the back to to draft in Arizona, 
Yeah, it's uh, I think Connor's going to have the the Kenyon Drake role last year. That wasn't very exciting, even when Kenyon Drake scored like 10 plus touchdowns. So. All right. And then uh, another backfield that you've got both running backs here. You've Leonard Fournette uh, ranked at 32 and then Ronald Jones at 35. Um, they I, they were they were such a headache last year. And and they, we had some really good games out of, out of each of them. But it was such a pain of you know which one do i start and then right after ronald jones has a big game then all of a sudden it's like okay well now he's useless for like three weeks um are you drafting either of these guys or just let other people take you know have that headache no i'm not drafting them because now they have geo bernard to steal some third down work and Fournette looked like he was fading big time until the playoffs he caught fire i i mean ronald jones should be the most exciting but i did just it doesn't seem like they're going to give him the backfield and uh, he had a lot of drops last year. So did Fournette, but uh, they both had a lot of drops. So now nah, I'm avoiding them. All right. And then we got uh, a few running backs uh, who are, you know, kind of competing with, we mentioned the young running backs, you know, quote unquote, ahead of them, or I guess, I don't know, technically behind them right now. I don't, I don't really, the, who knows where they're at in the, in the depth chart, but Raheem Mostert in San Francisco and James Robinson in Jacksonville, James Robinson, by the way, league winner last year. Um, he's being drafted at the end of the third round. So you really have to believe in him to draft him because obviously, I mean, his, his ADP is higher than your ranking of him. And eight, that doesn't even account for wide receivers, quarterbacks, tight ends, like all those other guys. So clearly you're not drafting James Robinson, uh, but people are, and uh, people are drafting Raheem Mostert as well at the beginning of the fifth round. So, uh, you know, is there, is there some reason for optimism with these guys? Uh, or, or are you, are you just being a big old party pooper here? <laughs> I, I might need to recalibrate on on uh, James Robinson a little bit. I mean, this is a big tier, so if I shot him up near the top, he's already up to running back, you know, twenty eight. But I don't know. It's just they drafted a first round rookie. Like I don't know what more you know there is to be worried about than drafting what his replacement is with their first pick. You know, it's just I don't know. I just kind of hate that for him. And uh, as far as Mostert, I mean, he's the type that I I always fade these type of running backs. He's an older running back. He's 29 years old. He only has 282 carries in his career. Hasn't been able to stay on the field. I, I just, I don't see how it happens for Mostert. You're going to get some good games, but you're not going to know when they are. And he might not play a lot of games. So I'm not interested in either of them really. Yeah. My biggest concern for Mostert was that after he had big games in terms of workload, he just like, they didn't play him because he, I don't, there was like, he wasn't like he was hurt. They were just like, all right, he he can't do it. We need to give him a week or two off is what it, it seems like, at least as far as public information goes, that's what it kind of sounded like. Um, before we get to the the two young players here in this tier that are interesting, David Johnson's here. Um, I think that's all we need to say. He's in Houston. Uh, that There's not really going to be anything going there as far as offense goes. And David Johnson was like already a boring running back last year. Um, yeah. I don't know. If you have David Johnson on your team, maybe see if you can trade him for DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, and then we've got uh, two young running backs, uh, AJ Dillon, who has tumbled down your rankings because uh, Aaron Jones did stay back, uh, it did resign in Green Bay, whereas earlier in the offseason, I think you had him ranked like 20th because we weren't sure what was going to happen with Aaron Jones. Um, now, AJ Dillon, the highest ranked handcuff, as you had mentioned earlier in the show. Um, and then Michael Carter. Uh, so there's a lot of hype around Carter. Uh, he's, you know, really, you know, got a lot of, it seems like the coaches like him. It seems like he's getting, uh, you know, the, the work so far in training camp and, and it is Michael Carter, the running back to draft in New York. And more importantly, does that mean we should draft him? Do we care? 
No, I think this is a year to at least be intrigued by the Jets. We got a new quarterback, new coaching staff. So I, I don't think we should completely write them off. Um, I've got him pretty low. It's mainly just because he kind of fits as like a, a CEH type back. You know, he's a pass catcher. I don't think he's going to – he's not going to be a grinded out bell cow type. He's not going to take over as far as like all of the snaps. Um, he's going to be rotated in with people. So – you know, on the plus side, you can catch passes, new offense. They're going to run the Shanahan system. That's good for running backs. I may jump him up some as the offseason goes. I just – I wonder what the upside is. I mean, the, the Jets have barely even gotten, like, goal line carries the last few years. Like, they've been so bad. We've got a long way to go. Um, I think generally if you just fade the Jets, it's a good thing. But it uh, it has looked more encouraging in training camp this year. I will say that. All right, and that's uh, the end of Tier 5. So just real quick recap, um, Zach Moss, Chase Edmonds up at the top. Those are people that you were talking about targeting. Uh, Melvin Gordon, Damian Harris, Leonard Fournette, Raheem Mostert, A.J. Dillon, Ronald Jones, David Johnson, James Conner, Michael Carter, and James Robinson. Um, is there anyone here in this tier that you are targeting in drafts? Um, besides, we would mentioned Moss and Edmonds already. Is there anyone here that you're looking to uh, come, away, uh, come out of your draft with on your roster? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, AJ Dillon, I'm definitely targeting. I think there's a chance he can contribute for your team, even if Aaron Jones doesn't get hurt. I mean, with Jamal Williams gone, that's like 40% of the, the Packers running back snaps there. So, hey, if we got AJ Dillon 40% of the snaps in this offense, I think that's pretty exciting. Um, he's just a monster. I mean, he got one game last year saw uh, where he got a workload and got 21 carries for 124 yards and two touchdowns. So, like, I, it's it, he could be the type that wins a league for you. Um, it's probably not going to happen with Aaron Jones around, but uh, I just really betting on the talent here and I love the offense and pass catching will cap his ceiling a little bit, but he could score you a bunch of touchdowns and be a contributor for sure. Awesome. Uh, and then you can avoid everyone else because it's that tier of uh, running back. Um, and, and tier six, honestly, I think is more of the same. I, I we really, these are guys we really don't need to get too much into. I, I do want to point out. So I just want to real quick that the names in tier six, you got Kenyon Drake, in Las Vegas, Tony Pollard, James White, still in New England, Devin Singletary, Naeem Hines, Gus Edwards, J.D. McKissick, Philip Lindsay, and Xavier Jones. So uh, there's not really a ton of exciting names here. Um, James White, though, you have him ranked 42nd. Um, he's being picked 59th overall. I mean, he's been typically that uh, – he's a slam dunk pick in PPR, and maybe that might be uh, the difference because actually this is standard ADP that I'm pulling from. So I'm curious to see what P his uh, PPR ADP is. Um, before, while I'm looking that up, uh, talk to me about Xavier Jones, who you have at the end of the tier. Uh, and you have, uh, again, I think 13 spots higher than the ADP would suggest. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, we talked about Daryl Henderson. I'm not completely sold. I want anyone who's going to be the backup basically in this offense. Cause I think there's a lot of potential here. So right now it looks like it's Xavier Jones. If something changes next week, I'll flip them in the rankings. Uh, but I mean, that is one nice thing about drafting Daryl Henderson is uh, as of now, the backups are pretty cheap. You could take Henderson and Xavier Jones at a pretty decent price. And uh, you know, you got that backfield covered. So um, I just want shots at this running game. And if I can get the cheap shots, I'll take them. We'll see if they sign somebody, but Xavier Jones doesn't cost you much where he's going anyway. So um, he's been getting a lot of hype lately. So we'll see. Yeah. I mean, this is one of those situations where uh, where they're being drafted right now might be entirely different than where they're being drafted when your draft happens, say two weeks from now, uh, as we get more clarity into a lot of these situations, but Xavier Jones, definitely a name to know in LA. And then as for James White, I mean, 
he moved up seven spots in ADP from standard to PPR, which doesn't feel like enough because I feel like uh, he that's typically where he makes his, his money. But at the same time, Cam Newton supposedly going to be the starter again in New England. We'll see a, how long that lasts. But uh, I don't know. I mean, is there any reason uh, that you should be targeting James White as, as you know in the back end of your drafts? So basically what I would be banking on if I drafted him is hoping for Mac Jones to take over sooner rather than later. And then maybe we get back in that kind of Tom Brady mold of checking down to the running backs a lot. And then he's back on play. Uh, He's not going to be great with Cam Newton. There's just not going to be enough passing volume, but I don't know if Jones took over week four, maybe we see white kind of back to his old old role. He has 29 though. Um, He doesn't have much of a ceiling. So keep that in mind, but Hey, it, Late in drafts, uh, you kind of pick them up and hope that Mac Jones takes over and you can get eight targets a game or something out of them. Is there anyone else in this tier that you're targeting? Uh, Kenyon Drake, Tony Pollard, Devin Singletary, Naeem Hines, Gus Edwards, J.D. McKissick, Philip Lindsay? Not really. Um, I'll say that Devin Singletary, if you look at his stats, I'm not sure he's as bad as everyone thinks he is. He's just not very good for fantasy because he doesn't score touchdowns. But um, uh, <laughs> Singletary, I've drafted when people just ignore him. And Lindsay, I've taken at like the very end of some pretty deep drafts um, because I don't think the Texans, if Tyrod Taylor is the quarterback, they're not going to pass a lot. And I think David Johnson's a better passing game back than he is just kind of run up the middle back. And I actually think Philip Lindsay probably has the most juice out of this whole backfield. So I've taken him late in some drafts just as kind of a dart throw because who knows, maybe Johnson gets hurt and we got to lead back here in Lindsay. All right, and then of the rest of the field, uh, who are you targeting after you know tier six, which by the way encompasses forty eight running backs? And I feel like in most leagues, you see about uh, maybe maybe like between fifty and sixty running backs rostered. I feel like most teams are, are somewhere between four and five running backs after the draft. So, um, but uh, of these guys that you're maybe taking that last round flyer on, or, or you know thirteenth round flyer on, um, who are you most interested in? Yeah, so I'm a little intrigued in uh, Salvin Ahmed and Javian Hawkins just as backups. Um, Hawkins seems to be getting passed by Cadre Allison, though, which is a bummer because I don't think he's very good. But uh, anyway, I I, kind of have an eye on them. Um, I really want to draft whoever is the backup for the Chargers, Joshua Kelly, Justin Jackson, or the rookie Larry Roundtree. I don't think we have any idea who it's going to be, but I would – Maybe in some deeper leagues, pick up Josh Kelly, sit him on your no, bench. As the don't, last no, pick. don't draft Joshua Kelly. Well, in a deep league, you know, somebody behind Eckler. Eckler has rushed for like 500 yards. A year. I, like that's the most he's ever rushed for in a season. Yeah, Somebody's he, he does get hurt. Oh, he yeah, and, just, hurt, but and they need Josh somebody between the tackles. So I'm just keeping an eye on that situation. Um, but most leagues aren't deep enough to worry about it. Um, Ramondre Stevenson for the Patriots, if Sony Michelle got traded, would be interesting. And then uh, for some reason, I've always kind of like Ty Johnson for the Jets. So keep an eye on him, but you're not going to draft him. Yeah, I mean, it kind of sounds like a lot of situations where things are up in the air and or the running the lead running back is someone that we you know aren't positive is going to be there for the full season. Um, that's kind of the areas where you're going. Um, there is one name that stands out to me here I just w- would like you to touch on real quick just because of the the ADP that he's being drafted at and, and kind of um, the, the draft capital. And that's Chuba Hubbard uh the Carolina Panthers uh running back so you know just is there a reason I mean it's McCaffrey uh so like it's not like you're drafting him he's this is a handcuff but is Hubbard someone that would be like yeah I would want to go out and spend a lot of fab on if McCaffrey gets hurt again um and if so would I rather just draft him and have him on my bench 
Yeah, I mean, we just saw Mike Davis break out in this backfield when McCaffrey got hurt. I mean, I, thinking McCaffrey's going to be hurt as much as he was last year is probably foolish. But, um, hey, they drafted Hubbard in the fourth round, and he's the handcuff to McCaffrey, and we've just seen that role be so valuable. So um, he's right up there with the better handcuffs for me personally. Awesome. Well, I mean, we basically just talked about 50 running backs in the last hour and a half. So if you need to see any more on these running backs, um, the, all of Eric's write-ups are on the website at QBList.com. Um, you can see uh, his not just the ranking of his top 80 running backs, but also full write-ups for every single one of them. Projections uh, are on the site to see what we think they're going to be able to do this year. Uh, the draft cheat sheet that I mentioned, all this stuff is on the site. And if you go through all that and you're like, man, I still want more. I I got questions about this stuff. Go to pitcherlist.com slash plus sign up for PL plus and bug Eric in the discord and make him answer your questions. Yeah. I just thought it'd be good for an end of an hour and a half podcast to note that I just got a sleeper notification that uh, talks are heating up between the Eagles and Deshaun Watson on a trade. So you want to talk Ooh. about that for 20 minutes? Yeah, we'll, we'll say that. Uh, for the next one. Yeah, I mean, I mean, what's your immediate reaction though to like? Let's say it happens. What? How does this affect how you feel about? Oh, you know what? How would this, how would this change how you feel about Miles Sanders if Deshaun Watson goes to the Eagles? What are your what's your immediate reaction on that? I would be intrigued if I thought he was going to play. So I, I, I like I said in my write up, I'm not a lawyer. I don't know if Watson's going to play. So uh, I don't know. I kind of shrugged my shoulders at that. But hey, we'd have a good offense if uh, Watson was there and. That would lift everyone about uh, four rounds on the Eagles. So yeah, I'd be in oh. on Sanders. Also, this is is it, this is the most Eagles thing to do. They just they this is Mike Vick part two. It's, oh man, this is their mo. Full circle. Uh, all right. I mean, you know, the two very different people, with very different uh, paths. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> you go, Philly. All right. Well, on that note, again. Uh, like I mentioned, uh, you know, hit us up on Twitter. If you have any questions about anything, you can find both of us uh, on Twitter. You can find uh, all of Eric's uh, work on QBList.com. And again, uh, that Discord is always open and we're always around to answer your questions. Again, as you get into draft season, and I know you always have those last minute, you know, hey, I just found out I've got pick four and my draft starts in 15 minutes. What do I do? Throw that in our Discord. We'll be happy to help. Um, so on that note, thank you all so much. And we'll be back next week for the wide receiver preview.